Okay. Allison. Hi. Matt. Hello. Did you know that in our outlines, <laughs> I have titled the very first thing that always happens? Hello, Allison. Really? That's cute. Yeah. Hello, Allison. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. I did do some homework because mm-hmm. here at ADHD 20, a podcast where we try to find the intersection between ADHD and D&D, mm-hmm. we Those often gives, give each other homework. Because you know what people with ADHD love? Deadlines yeah. and homework. Deadlines <laughs> and homework. Two bits. But right. First, we're starting out by rolling on the ADHD 100 table that you lovingly created. And I rolled a 33. Let's go. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. What book changed mm. your life? How is that for a dramatic way to ask that question? Wow. What book changed my life? I think there's a number of books that changed my life. Let me think. Okay. I'm going to go with one that's a little strange, but it is the first thing that came to my head. Lake Wobegon Days by Garrison Keillor. Interesting. Isn't that weird? I. That's. Yeah. I, I don't, let me think if I can even tell you why. I think I read it when I was really small. It was, uh, my dad bought it because dad was a Garrison Keillor fan and we used to listen to Prairie Home Companion together. And for those of you who don't know, Garrison Keillor is a writer and a teacher and was a uh, radio show host for decades of a program on NPR called Prairie Home Companion. Which was kind of, it was an improv show, actually. Mm-hmm. I saw it twice live, and it, I never knew that, that it was basically improvised comedy and, and music and all these things. Anyway, and then he had sort of a tragic fall because he was a casualty of the Me Too movement. You know, because I think he was a grumpy old man. It's <laughs> like mm-hmm. creepy, grumpy old man. But anyway, I loved Gerson Keeler, and uh, that book was the first time I remember as a child reading and laughing and reading mm. and crying. Mm. But not in a bad way, like in the way that a book could emotionally move you. Move me. And and world building, honestly, to be perfectly honest, it's very interesting because Wobegon is supposedly in, you know, the Minnesota area, the Midwest, mid-Midwest area, but it's a, it's also a fictional town. So, there's some cool world building going on there. So that's my favorite book. Uh, one right. of them at least the one that I changed my life in some way. I learned something new about you. I knew about the Prairie Home Companion fandom, mm-hmm. um, but I did not know that a little young Maddie once read some Garrison Keeler and I read a, kind of shaped the storyteller that you would become. I think I read all of his cool. books. I did. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible writer to the point where I actually thought about going to study with him. He was a teacher there, and I was like, I would love that, but I didn't. Alternate universe Matt did that. Uh, Allison, mm-hmm. what did you roll on the D100 table? <coughs> 76 trombones let the big parade with 110 cornets close at hand. I won't keep singing it, though I could, because we all know that my brain has nothing but uh, song lyrics. Tell us about the last D&D character that you built. I guess that would be Cora. My sweet little storm sorcerer, mm-hmm. speaking of Matt and world building. So back Castle Birthday, we kicked off a new campaign in the world of Dataria that Matt is creating. My first ever character was a sorcerer, and I really, really loved a lot of the mechanics of that class. 
But because she was my first character, I played her not knowing how to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really wanted to play the class again now with, you know, two plus more years of experience, uh, but in a completely different way. I didn't mean to make my character's name <laughs> rhyme with one of my other characters named Sora, yeah. but here we are. I actually picked Cora because Cora is uh, the name of one of my great grandmothers and I've always loved that name. Hmm. Uh, and so when I was looking up, I knew I wanted to do something having to do with, you know, kind of controlling the elements and the weather. I wanted to go that kind of bend as opposed to the pure just chaos and wild magic that my first character Lavinia had been. Yeah. So I started looking up names that meant things and then just kind of like playing however many degrees of separation from there. So one of the names that I liked in that flavor was Tempest. And so then mm -hmm. I started looking up variations of the name Tempest and Coratine, Cora for short. Um, and then I chose Sea Elf because of all the kind of traditional D&D &D races. I had yet to build an elf, so I kind of wanted to lean into that. I love that. Yay, Cora! Yay, Cora! Probably disclaimer at the top of this show, this might be a D&D &D heavy uh, mm. version of this podcast. Though I will say, it, will, it definitely will touch on a lot of ADHD sit. at the same time. I mean, yep. I don't know. This might be... <clears throat> the one that sits the most directly in right, the right centre. Let's, Matt, let's get this, into this, it. This episode is, is your sweet darling brainchild. Yeah. So take it away. So one of the best things about this podcast for me has been to get to know uh, what it's like to be ADHD, even if I've lived with it all my life. Just kind of to be able to put names to symptoms. And I know that that sounds strange to say. I don't know if that sounds sad to people. I hope not, but I, I mean it in a good way. There's there's such a freedom to like go on the internet and look up time blindness or executive dysfunction, you know, to look these things up and just get this this encyclopedia of information about this stuff and to go, oh right. So there are some in particular that sound so cool <laughs> that I was like, hmm <laughs> what if <laughs> what if you created spells in the realm of Dungeons and Dragons 5e named after symptoms of ADHD. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> because, like I said, there is a symptom called time blindness. It's a real mm -hmm. thing. And it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think they know exactly what it is, but it's, there's something missing in my brain where, especially if hyperfocus is involved, and that's another spell name, I just always think that I have enough time. Like, mm -hmm. I look at the clock, and it's 2.09, and I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to be there somewhere until 2.30. So I don't have a concept of, of that amount of time from, from 2.09 to 2.30. To a lot of people, they can feel the minutes go by, I'm assuming. I have no idea. I don't know what it's like. But they know <laughs> that from 2.09 to 2.30, they have this amount of time, whatever time this is. Time enough for three emails. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it is, they have a connection to the, <laughs> the concept of time enough to stop in time to do what they need to do at 2.30. Well, I don't have that. Uh, and it's amazing because <laughs> I think I was a good 30 minutes late to the recording of this <laughs> because of time blindness. <laughs> Thinking that I could do this and this and this and this in the amount of time that I needed before we were going to sit down and record. 
It's a real thing. It's very frustrating, but it does help to know what it is. So time blindness. And then there's executive dysfunction, right, or ineffective executive functioning, right, where that's basically just, you know, the inability to understand priorities, to wake up in the morning and look at your day and be able to properly place all the things that you need to do in that day for the maximum amount of satisfaction and effect and um, success. Can and this really truly is a question because I don't think I understand enough about executive function or dysfunction as it were. But my understanding is that it can also impact tangible things too, like looking at a room or a cluttered desk and not really understanding the path from where you are to it's clean, it's done, it's organized. I think so, and yeah. I think that's, that's a big part of it too. That's where I've run into it a lot in my life. Like my friends, you know, will see my house and be like, just just clean it. Just, and I'm like, but like, right. what do I do first? Like, right. could you just... Could you just give me like a little hint? Because I don't know. I look at a messy room and I just kind of want to sit down and cry and, and then ignore it. I don't yes. think like, oh, the first thing I should do is go get a basket and, and put all the loose items in it. And then I yes. should take out the trash. And, you know, I don't my brain just doesn't sort those <coughs> tasks like that. By the um, way, I love that you gave a disclaimer that this was going to be a D&D focused non-ADHD. <laughs> and what did we immediately do? Yeah. Launched into talking about ADHD. Well, I think, there, I think there has to be context because I've yeah. chosen three of these symptoms. And I don't think, probably not fair to call them symptoms. I don't know what you would actually call them. Uh, tenants of ADHD. <laughs> there you go. Okay, Rhodes Scholar. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, I don't. I don't know. And so, yeah. So, and then, and then, of course, the big, big, big one is hyperfocus, which a lot of people could go into. It's not necessarily only ADHD, but it's very different for people who have ADHD because, due to executive dysfunction, there is there's plenty of times that you're not focusing on what you need to or should focus on. Mm -hmm. And you're all over the place. However, there's also this symptom, if you will, where <laughs> you will start something and you will get so sucked into it that you can't get out of it, which is also part of time blindness. Anyway, they all kind of do that dance together. But those are the three that I chose with their snappy names to turn into spells for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. Love it so much. I don't know what. How do you want to do this? Do you want to? Do you have more to add? Do you want me to go through what I've got? So, what do you? What do you? What, yeah, but say I, I did not get as far into my homework assignment as you did. I came up with kind of a scratch list. So what was interesting to me about this is I started this exercise of if I were going to create Dungeons and Dragons spells out of the tenets of ADHD first. I went to all the bad places. I went mm. to, you know, distraction and getting in my own way and impulse. So then I was like, <clears throat> let me just step out of, you know, my perspective right now and, and replant myself somewhere else. What would be some of the like the buff spells? What would be some of the good mm -hmm. parts? Okay, yeah. So um, so yeah, so I don't know. Do you want to read your list? I can read my list and then we can pick a couple that we want to yeah, sure. <laughs> go into. <clears throat> yeah, let's 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 do it. Okay, so I'll just go through the, the three that I've already described. So I've got time blindness, range 60 feet, duration one turn, uh, and it's a targeted spell, time blindness. So when you cast time blindness onto a target, the target is given a wisdom saving throw. So in other words, <clears throat> for those who don't know what that means, this is a spell that you can resist if cast on you. But if they fail, mm. they immediately lose all concept of their placement in time. Any time-based action they're preparing, combat, movement, etc., cannot be completed on their next turn. 
So with Time Vitus, I kind of took it into a space where it's like, basically, you lose your turn, right? But if a mm-hmm. spell is being cast, the spell won't go off until their next turn. Mm-hmm. They basically lose a turn. They just get so confused in time that they have to wait for the whole turn to go. So that's what time blindness felt like to me. Oh. Then I've got hyperfocus, which also has a range, 60 feet. The duration is until the target action is completed. It's also a targeted spell. If it casts on a willing target or yourself, I guess. The target gains advantage on attack or saving throws for one turn. And then casting time for spells are doubled. And so hyperfocus to me has this buff concept, right? Because, mm-hmm. uh, but, it, but again, because it's more about time than it is ability. So I was trying to factor in the idea of if I am hyperfocused, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm doing better. You don't get like a, a plus to the attack, but it does mean that you are more concentrated, right? Mm-hmm. So I kind of thought, well, advantage would take care of that, right? Mm-hmm. Advantage would take care of of uh, an attack and saving throws. And then another aspect of it is if you cast an uh, unwilling target, the target has to continue the action that they're performing when they hit the spell. And this one's a little bit weird. Like, we could work this one out. But I was thinking uh-huh. that they, they'd be able to save. But if they were attacking someone else, then they would have to attack that same person next turn. Mm. They can't move to a different target, no matter what's happening. If they're taking their move action, they have to keep moving in that direction. Again, trying to kind of lock into the hyper-focus, because that's all you can do. That's all you can think about, right? Mm-hmm. All right. I love that. And the last one is executive dysfunction. And this one's very simple. There's a wisdom saving throw. And if the target fails, the target cannot perform any action except for their bonus action, if they have one. (laughs) And uh, for those who don't play, in one turn of combat, usually there is three kinds of actions. There's the combat action, there's the movement action, and then there's the bonus action, basically, which can be a bunch of different things. It can be a dodge so they can mm-hmm. dodge things, or it can be, um, what are some other bonus actions? There are certain spells that can be bonus actions, like Healing Word is one. Um, everybody has the two-weapon fighting bonus action, so anybody mm-hmm. can wield two simple, light weapons. Right. Um, but I kind of took it to the idea of, like, that is the only thing that you can do. So you can't actually have a main action. So if you're hit by the spell and you're planning on attacking, or maybe someone's attacking mm-hmm. you and you can't even really defend yourself because that would be an yeah. action, and you can't yeah. move, you can't do anything except take this bonus action. So it would be just randomly casting a spell or something, you know. And that felt like executive dysfunction for me because it would be, you know, maybe the thing that's not the priority in your life. <laughs> And those are my three. I kind of imagine most of them as cantrips, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a cantrip yeah. is your school-level spells, mm-hmm. right? Like, they don't do much damage, and they, um, though, cantrips kill. Yeah, cantrips kill. I accidentally learned in a game not too long ago that you actually can kill a foe with a cantrip. Because <laughs> I... Oh, yeah. It was just a cantrip. <laughs> I was trying to kind of oh. knock them, you know, flat for a second. But instead, they were dead in the first round. Oopsie. Whoops. Uh, so yeah, tell me about impulse. Cast on impulse. So one of the things that makes sorcerers special is they have this font of sorcery points that they get to choose at various levels what their sorcery points do. So cast on impulse, I thought maybe could like quicken the casting time somehow. 
um, mm. especially if it's like casting time of you know ritual spells or ones <clears throat> that have a one minute casting time as opposed to a single action mm-hmm. just to kind of get that spell out quicker and then mm-hmm. i called one spontaneous performance because i do think <laughs> that sometimes we can just kind of blurt things out in D and D, you know, sometimes you have to give what's called a performance check mm-hmm. uh, to see, were you able to deceive them or were you able to pull off? So I, I wonder if spontaneous performance could give you some kind of special Ooh. something to make that check happen a little easier for you. Maybe just an advantage on performance checks. Yes. And then the final one, um, Matt's getting excited now. I love it. I like that one. Um, my final one is actually the one I gave the most thought to, though still not Matt level of thought. I called it multitask. Um, there are certain <clears throat> spells that are, are, that are concentration spells. So you can only have one concentration spell up at a time. So I can't cast two concentration spells. I would have to drop the first one in order to cast the second one. And that's mm-hmm. frustrating as a caster. Or when you take damage in combat, you have to go through what's called a concentration check. Mm-hmm. So I thought multitask would allow you to have you know, two concentration spells up at a time. Mm-hmm. Or typically speaking, if I have a concentration spell up and the, you know, the DM knows this and, and causes damage to me, he'll have me roll a constitution saving throw. And it's either half of the damage that I just took or 10, whichever number is higher. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if my constitution score is not very high as a caster, but my charisma is, I could like swap out my performance ability score for my constitution modifier just <sighs> trying to find some ways to like lean into the abilities <clears throat> over like the natural born tendencies if you will wow um so that's my list there's some really great ones in there with some amazing mechanic concepts i think my favorites are definitely multitask and spontaneous performance i mean Spontaneous performance is super simple. It's just, yeah, advantage to performance check. You call upon your, you know, your ADHD power, and uh, and it just yeah. gets just a little edge because... Yeah, you because get to maybe either that. advantage or, you know, some of them are fun when you get to, like, roll an extra D4. Or, or a D4, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I get... always love an advantage situation. Any others, now that we've started talking through this, like, come to mind of just, like, kind of kindling for the bigger fire? Well, yeah, I think I think you kind of touched on it a little bit somewhere in there, but along with time blindness, there is also object permanence. Object permanence. Right. Ooh. And and, and, in, and in the spell form, I would imagine that it could be something like if you cast it when when a target is close by another object like a chair a table a this mm-hmm. or that the target i was gonna say if it had some kind of like spatial awareness implication Ooh. to whoever you're fighting they perceive space and time differently than uh-huh. reality uh-huh. Um, the other thing i could think of for for object permanence is almost as a shield for yourself like if you're not in some direct line of sight of theirs they forget you exist mm-hmm. right Ooh. That's right. Yeah. It's a shield for yourself. So then that way it's like, well, you have to be within this space and within this angle. Otherwise, you don't, they can't think to turn around behind them and fire a spell. Yes. They are only focused on, on what's directly in front of them or something like that. that or so or, or oh. even it's kind of like a subset of 
uh, what's that spell? Uh, duplicate or shadow self or something, mm-hmm. where it's like the object permanence ghost, whatever it is, doesn't move. It's simply that you get perfect evasion without any kind of attack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're still standing there because a person just doesn't pay attention to any, like, thinks that you're still right there. Ooh! Okay. Yeah! Are you are you writing this down, or do I need to write this okay, down? Okay, I'm writing, I'm writing it down. <laughs> um, what else? What else? Um... I bet there could be something to do with, like, extreme loquaciousness. Is that, is that a word? Loquaciousness? Like, talking too loquaciousness? much. Loquaciousness? Loquaciousness. Yes! Right. I was about to say something about interrupting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> right. Oh, that's good. That's good, because that would also kind of probably tie into a counterspell-esque thing, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh-huh. if you cast interrupt, it doesn't stop the spell, but again, like, it has some sort of mechanic. Mechanic to it. Yeah. Okay. I like that um, one. How fun would it be, like, I know we make fun of me for getting really frustrated really easily with tasks that seem new, feel foreign. Like, what if there was some kind of, like, frustration tolerance (laughs) where you just, like, kind of implode or or there's some kind of dire consequence to you getting overly frustrated in game? I like that. Explosive frustration tolerance. (laughs) (laughs) If you suffer from explosive frustration tolerance... See your doctor immediately. Um, those are really good. Yes? One more. <laughs> okay. No, don't stop. Fidget. I think that there has to, like, fidget. we have to be harder to hit because of, like, the the, the fidgeting and the, what, what is it? Stimming. Stimming. Okay, yes. so we need to have some kind of, like, fidget and stimming something or other. But, like, yeah, I have to be harder to hit because I'm constantly yes. in motion. This is really, <laughs> this is really great. I'm really... I really love this. this I do too. This is why when you like when you told me about this topic, this is why I got so excited because this is such a good idea, Matt. Like, it's so good. Oh, no, Putting man. it out into the universe. If there is somebody out there that just wants to pay us to come up with yeah. ADH flavored <laughs> D&D spells, we happily accept the contract. <laughs> we accept. Um... Wow, and if is... you, dear listener, can think of anything that we left out or mm. that you'd like to add to or please. manipulate in any way, my goodness, please chime on in. Please. Okay, here, let, let me just say this. Yes, I did start this podcast today off by saying this is going to be very D&D heavy. However, obviously, we're speaking from personal experience. I don't care whether you know any mechanic of Dungeons & Dragons. I don't care if you don't play any role-playing game. That's not really the point of this. If anyone is listening to this because they too have ADHD or, or a loved one that does and, and thinks about this stuff all the time uh, and just think it might be fun, we mm-hmm. have a Patreon. You know, we have a Patreon, and we would love for you to uh, be a part of it. We have a, we have a fun Discord channel, and um, you actually are helping us do this more and and better and spend time during our days doing it, which is truly making us happy. And we appreciate everybody that is a part of that. So yeah, what do you think, man? Just come on, hang out, and and what what have we missed? Which which of these little tenants have we missed? Because there are plenty of them. <laughs> I can't wait to play test these spells. I know. I know. Seriously. I love it. It's yeah. so good. Um, okay. Well, geez. Until next time. Over and out. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, ADHD20. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
over and out.